In this episode, I'm going to go through seven different security issues that are common in Rails applications. And some of these I've already covered in past episodes, but uh, here I want to show you them all at once. And I think it'll give you a nice checklist so that you can review some of your current applications and kind of go through each of the items and make sure your application is fully secure. The application I'm going to be working with is a project management application you see here. And notice users can log in and sign up, and then they can create new projects. And you, as you can see here, I have a couple of existing projects, and each given project can have a little artwork graphic along with tasks for that given project. Number one, mass assignment. I'm putting this one first because I consider it to be one of the most important ones. It's unfortunately very easy to miss in Rails applications, and it can lead some, to some very critical security issues. So when we're editing a model like this, we have a form and we only have a few fields someone can edit, in this case a name and a photo file attachment. But someone has access to all of the attributes if you're using mass assignment, and most of us are. If we take a look at our controller, we can see that we are doing mass assignment here with this project update attributes. We're just throwing all of the user parameters from the form into the hash like this and updating all of those attributes at once inside of our project. This means that a user can edit basically any of the attributes in the project. So this is all of the project's columns and even association attributes as well, such as notice a project has many tasks here. Let me give you an example of how this works inside the console. So let's fetch a project here. And currently, if you look at the tasks, the project doesn't have any tasks. But what if we uh, use the update attributes method here? So we're using mass assignment here, which means uh, anyone can do this through a simple web request. Uh, we can set any kind of attributes here. And one of the attributes on a has many association is called task IDs. And this just takes an array of task ID numbers. So that means we can grab anyone else's project's tasks and assign them to our project. So we can say, uh, let's just take task ID number four and assign it to our project. So now if we call project.tasks, that given project now has that specific task, in which we pulled it from an already other existing project. So this is something we definitely don't want our users to do because we just want to restrict them to the two fields which were in the form. And the way I recommend solving this problem is using attribute accessible inside of your model and then just calling the whatever columns or attributes you want to be settable through mass assignment. So in this case we want name and photo and that's all. So this way no one can set the task IDs or any other attribute which may be for this project uh, through a simple web request. For more information on this issue, uh, check out episode number 26, and I'll post additional resources in the show notes for this as well. Number two, file uploads. When I'm editing a project, I have the ability to upload a photo, but actually any file can be uploaded here because I'm just using the paperclip plugin at the default settings. And I'm also running on Apache web server with Passenger. And Apache just happens to be set up to execute PHP files. So what happens if I upload a PHP file? So I have a file here called phpinfo, which just runs that function. And this way we can see if our PHP script works. 
So let's try uploading this PHP info file. Click Submit. And now our image is blank, but let's try opening it in a new window. And would you look at that? This is that PHP info page, which was uh, returned from that function. So it successfully executed the PHP script, and that's pretty scary. So if you are running an Apache web server, which is set up to execute PHP or CGI files or any other kind of script in any directory, be really careful with file uploads because uh, this can uh, mess things up pretty bad. Now, if you are using paperclip, you might consider adding this line to your model. Uh, this is validates attachment content type. This ensures that the content type is either a JPEG, a ping, or whatever, whatever other you specify in this section. But I don't believe this will really solve the issue here. I mean, it's a good thing to add, but I believe there are ways around this by just faking the content type when you submit the attachment. So this isn't a foolproof solution. Instead, you should either check the file extension to ensure that it's not .php or anything else, or just disable scripts entirely in the attachment upload directory, which I really recommend doing that. So you need to edit your Apache config and make sure that that uh, upload attachment directory is not uh, possible to add scripts into. And I uh, can't go into detail on that here, unfortunately, but uh, it's just something for you to look into. And I'll post some links in the show notes. Number three, filter log params. So our application has this sign up and login forms where someone can just type in their username and password. But if we take a look at our development log file, we can see that these parameters are passed in as plain text into here, the username and password. Now we're doing all this work to hash and encrypt our password in our database, but we're just leaving it as plain text in our log file. Not very secure and definitely not a way to keep the user's password private. So if you go into your application controller, you should see a line like this, which is commented out. You really want to uncomment this so that it filters the password attributes uh, from the log file so they aren't stored in there. So add any other secure data you want into this list of fields here so that way you don't store credit card information and other details about the user. So now when we log in, we can see that in our log file, the password parameter is now filtered. Number four, cross-site request forgery protection. This next one also has to do with the application controller. Specifically, this line right here, protect from forgery. You wanna make sure that this exists in your application controller somewhere. So maybe you commented it out or deleted it or never put it in there. Uh, it is in there by default, so most of you probably already have it, but just in case, make sure that Protect from Forgery is enabled in your application controller. This way, it'll protect you from uh, cross-site request forgery. So we can take a look at the source code for this form here to get some idea of how it works. And as you can see, here's our form element, and inside of here, Rails automatically adds this authenticity token uh, to this. This is a hidden form field which has a special unique key that's unique for each user session. And Rails will automatically check this key and make sure it's correct for every single post, put, or delete request made. So this way we ensure that the user is actually on our site and making the request instead of some other site pretending to be our user and making the request behind the scenes. So this ensures that 
other websites don't permanently delete records or anything like that without the user's knowledge. Now this token is not checked for Git requests, so you want to make sure that uh, you don't do any kind of damaging or permanently altering data manipulation on a simple Git request. And I'll post some resources about this in the show notes if you want to get more information about it. Number five, authorizing ownership. So we're back on the projects page here and I can go to a specific project. But notice the URL here, it has the project's ID number in it. And I really, each user has its own set of projects and I don't want to allow one user to access another user's projects. But what if one user starts playing around with the ID numbers in the URL? Well, we want to ensure that they aren't able to access another project. Well, this happens to be one that's owned by a different user and this user is able to access it by altering the ID in the URL. Not good. So here we are in the projects controller and the show action is the one we're concerned about here because this has a vulnerability where we can fetch any project that the user requests. We aren't doing any authorization to make sure the user owns this given project. But how do we do the authorization? That's the question. Well, there's several ways, but one cool tr trick is to use active record associations to scope the find. So what we can do is because a user has many projects as an active record association, we can fetch our current user model object and say projects.find, and that will automatically scope the projects to only those that the user owns. So it will not be able to fetch projects outside of the current user's ownership. So if you have an application set up like this where um, a given model is like a global scope around everything else, this is a good way to authorize the ownership so that a given user is not able to access another user's models. So if we try reloading this page here, we'll get an active record record not found error, which is what we want because we want to pretend that this record doesn't exist because it's not the user's own record. And this will just return a 404 error for the user page not found. Number six, SQL injection. I'm sure most of you are familiar with SQL injection, so I'll make this pretty quick. Uh, as you can see, we have a search form here for the user's projects. And the problem is that inside of our index section of our controller, you can see that find being performed. It's being scoped by the current user, so it's only going to find projects within that current user's scope. But notice we're inputting the user's parameters right into our SQL string like this. That is definitely not a good thing to do. It's subject to SQL injection. So all it takes is a couple quotes and parentheses and voila. Now we're able to find all the projects for all the users and get a list of them here. We don't want that. So instead we should be using the question mark syntax here instead of inputting the user's parameters directly into the string. So you do that by just using an array and assign each attributes to the question mark and it will automatically quote and escape any special characters when it inserts it into that section. So if we try reloading here, now no projects are found because it properly scoped this query and prevented the SQL injection attack. For more information on this, check out episode number 25. Number seven, HTML injection. So it just so happens that this content right here, which is displaying the task title, I forgot to escape the HTML on it. And so that means if someone edits this task in as a little JavaScript or something with a script tag, 
with an alert message here just to show you an example of JavaScript being executed, submits this, and wow, we have an alert dialog box because the JavaScript was successfully executed when someone clicks submit. And if we reload the page, there it is again, because every time this page gets loaded, it triggers that script because it's actually inside the HTML now. Instead, we really need to escape all HTML content so that the user can't insert these tags into uh, this. All it takes is inside of your view, this is where we're outputting the task name content, where our script is, it just takes a simple h method inside of there to ensure that all HTML content is escaped in there. Now when we reload, the script tag is actually displayed here instead of executed, which is just what we want. So this prevents cross-site scripting, which is a really bad thing. You should really look into it, and I'll post some resources in the show notes for that as well. Also, you may want to take a look at the sanitize method if you want to whitelist certain tags and allow them in. Uh, this used to be not be very secure in older versions of Rails, but in the current versions, it's a great way to go if you want to just uh, whitelist certain tags and allow like bold or italic tags in, but not script tags and stuff like that. And also just a quick note about Rails 3, it will automatically escape HTML content so that H method that you need to use everywhere now that you might sometimes forget, that will no longer be necessary in Rails 3. But we're not there yet, so we'll keep adding that H method to make sure all HTML content is escaped and we're not subject to cross-site scripting. And that's it for my seven security tips. I hope it gave you a nice checklist to go through and I encourage you to look at your current applications and make sure they pass everything with flying colors. Now, if you want to get more information and I highly recommend you research this topic more, uh, just security in general, I recommend you check out the Ruby on Rails security guide, which I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, it has a lot of good detailed information and it goes far more in depth than I've able, been able to in the screencast. And I definitely didn't cover all security vulnerabilities here. So make sure to give it a look. Security is extremely important and uh, it's definitely something you should research. This episode is sponsored in part by Clutterpad, an awesome online project management and collaboration tool. Sign up now and get a chance to use it at clutterpad.com. Also sponsored by Pragmatic Screencasts. They offer high-quality screencasts on a variety of subjects, including Ruby and Rails. Check them out at pragmatic.tv.